Welcome to All Write in Sin City, a podcast about writers and writing in the Windsor, Detroit region. Your podcasters today are Sarah Jarvis, former bookseller, publishing rep, and literary festival chair, Kim Conklin, Windsor based writer and filmmaker, and me, Irene Moore Davis, author, educator, and local historian. This recording takes place online in the era of safe physical distancing. Our featured guest today is Shani Mutu. Shani Mutu was born in Ireland, grew up in Trinidad, and lives in Canada. She holds an MA in English from the University of Guelph, writes fiction and poetry, and is a visual artist whose work has been exhibited locally and internationally. Mutu's critically acclaimed novels include Moving Forward Sideways Like a Crab, Val Mickey's Daughter, He Drowned She in the Sea, and serious blooms at night. She is a recipient of the K.M. Hunter Artist Award, a Chalmers Arts Fellowship, and the James Duggins Mid-Career Novelist Award from the Lambda Literary Awards. Her work has been long-listed and short-listed for the Scotiabank Giller Prize, the International Dublin Literary Award, and the Man Booker Prize. She lives in Prince Edward County, Ontario. Her latest novel, Polar Vortex, was released in March 2020, and we're excited that she will be a guest in this year's virtual Bookfest Windsor on October 16th. Welcome, Shani. Thank you very much. So you're both a writer and a visual artist. You're also a multimedia artist whose work has been featured at film festivals. How do you carve out time for all of these endeavors? Do you tend to tackle one project at a time, or can you work on things simultaneously? I have a very short attention span. So I can work on, uh, you know, one project for a little while, and then I must leave that and go and do something else. And what I have noticed is that I have to do something else that is also creative. So I just move between things, you know, and um, sometimes it's between, uh, say, photography and writing. Sometimes it's between um, the uh, fiction writing and uh, fiction writing and poetry, or perhaps it's even baking bread. You know, it's got to be something along those lines. So what's your writing process? Is there a certain place? Do you have a writing nook uh, or a particular time of day that you write? Uh, No, I am also very undisciplined. So I, I, I tend to write in the kitchen on, we have a very, very large um, uh, working counter, and I've got my computer here. And uh, when, I, when I was living in, uh, in Toronto, and also in Vancouver, and so on, in, in big cities, I like to work in cafeterias. Um, I, the noise, I need the noise, I need the movement around me. And yet, if someone were to come up and speak to me, I might not actually hear them. There's some way that when I'm working, I need this stuff, but I'm really, really in my brain. We have four parrots, and they are nearby and very, very demanding. And I love it. I really love it. There's a kind of an interruption and back and forth with, with the work. Now, when I'm really working, I've got to put them aside, and I'm fully in the work. I don't have a particular time of day. Um, I I can work all day long. And of course, 
there's no, I know all night long, there's no weekend. Every day is a work day or a day to go out and photograph or, you know. Like much of your work, your new novel deals with secrets, deceptions, and the challenges of trying to escape one's past. It's a novel about how secrets always come back to get us. Polar Vortex has been described by reviewers as unsettling, ominous, and haunting, but also brilliant. What was your inspiration behind writing this book? Well, um, the book started out as something entirely different. Uh, what, when I decided to write uh, this particular novel, what I brought with me from the previous version was three characters um, who were uh, in a rail in life. But then, and I had gone so far as to be writing this, this really lovely, sweet story. Um, the, the the setting was there, and the people were getting together and chatting, and there was a, um, the telling of a really lovely, lovely story. And then suddenly, I got tired of that, and I realized um, I'm not really interested in sweet, not that kind of sweet. And I it I began to wonder what's really what is it is it possible that there's something else going on in the minds of these three people, and they don't know they can't tell you can't tell what's going on in someone's mind you know and so a lot of the novel is about what someone is saying but what's really going on behind in the in the back and what has happened in the past you know telling stories about the past and uh, reinterpreting the past depending on who you're telling it to and so on and um well, that has always fascinated me, and I really enjoyed working on this novel, sort of in the same way that I, I enjoyed working on Serious Blooms at night. Because, um, you know, after I wrote Serious, it, it did really, really well. And it was a surprise to me because um, I did not mean to be a writer. I was a visual artist, and, uh, um, and uh, I was making videos and so on. And a publisher asked me, Press Gang, asked me to write for them. And I kept saying, no, I'm not interested. And then, you know, after, after some, some persistence on their part and a growing excitement on my part, I said, yes, the book did weirdly well. And I remember when I was in New York at the time um, and living in New York and I got a phone call and I was told that the book was shortlisted for the Giller Prize. And not knowing anything about the writing world, you know, I thought I would write this novel and get back to my work. It was like, it was like experimental, the, the way we experiment in art and sort of, that's what I thought I was going to do. And then the, the, pers I, I, the person tells me you were shortlisted for the Giller. And I said, well, I don't know what that is. I didn't apply for anything. So how come they know about my work? That's how, that's how outside of writing I was. But then, then what happened was um, I began to work on the other novels and I began to realize that there is a, a certain, something that's demanded of the writer that is not demanded of the experimental artist. And I began to write, you know, it's like I had to learn to write after I wrote Sirius. And I began to work with plot lines and uh, to try to understand those kinds of things. And I wrote works that were, you know, they were claimed to a certain extent, and that was nice. 
then I decided, as I have with every single novel, that I'm not going to write again because, uh, you know, the, the industry is very different than what I enjoy. And when my book before Sirius, uh, before um, Pool of Vortex came out, I decided I definitely am not writing. I want to make art. And a week later, I was writing this novel. And I clearly really love writing. And I decided I was going to write this novel for myself, absolutely for myself. And, and it became more of an experimental kind of thing. I was pushing myself, like, you know, to work in ways that I had not before, to think about things I had not thought before, and to really push. And I think that, I think that was a really good way to work without thinking about publisher, agent, reader, audience, critics, nothing, you know, just, just treat it as a, as an experiment as it were. Wow. Migrant and immigrant experiences are such central themes in your work as well. To what extent have your ties to Ireland, Trinidad and Canada had an impact on your writing? Well, it's interesting because I grew up in Trinidad. I'm, you know, I went from, from Ireland to Trinidad when I was three months old. And then I moved to Canada when I was uh, 19 for university and then 23 to live here um, uh, fully. So those formative years, the visual, the, the oral, the, um, you know, the way of expressing myself and so is Trinidad. It's really Trinidad. When I became a Canadian citizen, I did not understand that I was going to lose my Trinidad citizenship. Uh, because I was born in Ireland. I forgot I was born in Ireland. And you can only have dual citizenship. As I was born in Ireland, as I was told by the Consulate General of Ireland at a festival one time, that whether I like it or not, I am Irish. I was born in Ireland and Ireland does not easily give up its citizens. So I am Irish and Canadian because of these um, these rules, but at heart, I am probably Trinidadian and Canadian. Um, I got a Chalmers Fellowship a few years ago to study, to make a study of what it means to have been born in Ireland and what it means to be working on Trinidad material and uh, and in an environment where as people of color, we, we are so often not seen in Canada as Canadian, or there's some kind of, um, ah, yeah, Canadian, but we're always asked about our back home, you know, um, engagement, or yeah, or about our communities and stuff like that. So I wanted to do a project based on these kinds of things. And one of them was how to become Canadian and that really influenced um, Polar Vortex as well as um, a great deal of my photography and poetry writing and so on. The way it influenced um, Polar Vortex, what I decided to do was not to set my novel in the kind of place that novels by immigrants, particularly of immigrants of color, or in the kind of place where they're normally set, which is in cities, 
you know, um, in neighborhoods where you're mixing with your own people, you're engaging in those kinds of politics and struggles and so on. I come from a place where landscape is so important to me. And, you know, the, the, the birds, the animals, the, um, the sea, the mountains. And I decided that um, in this study, what I was going to do was not look for the big tourist picture. Not driving through the landscape, I don't want to see. I don't want the landscape to confirm to me what I have seen in postcards. I want to discover it. So that was, and, and that's what I did in Pool of Vortex, trying to move through the land and to see the, the, the weather and to see the, the birds stuck in the ice and to talk about, you know, in, in, in an ice storm, right? And you, you go on the lake and there are swans that have kind of almost frozen dead in the, in the lake. And I wanted to see the minute. And in a kind of a way that translated into... I've, I've not written um, a white woman character like Alex before. And that was really interesting to me to also try to see how she was trying to understand race and immigration and the, the, her struggle to do that. And the struggle between Priya and Alex not because of immigration, but because of difference, you know, just just human difference. And yeah, long answer, I hope that's okay. <laughs> it's a great answer. So where in Trinidad did you grow up? I grew up in the south of Trinidad, um, first in a little place called, in the second capital, as it were, called San Fernando, and then in a little Yay! Place. Are you Trinidadian? <laughs> My father is from San Fernando. Ah, okay, okay. And then, and then after that, in a residential area called um, Belle La Romaine. And we went there when I was 10 years old, and there might have been about 10 houses or so, if that many. And now there's no place to build a house anymore. It's just crammed now. What's your next project? Um. I'm working on two things. One is a poetry um, manuscript that um, Book Hug has taken on. Uh, they published Polar Vortex, right? And it's called, uh, tentatively, it's called um, Ever Since, Even Now. And that's a kind of, um, a, a sort of um, a picture, as it were, of all the things that have important, been important in my life. I'm at the point now where I think I could write a memoir. And um, that's, it's sort of like along those lines, but with a lot of um, contemporary aspects as well. And things that really, um, you know, worry me, like climate and refugee things and so on. And um, I'm also working on photography. And um, yeah, the, I'm... One of the things, well, you haven't asked me this question, but um, can I answer it? Yeah, yes, please. <laughs> what I'm really liking about the difference between writing fiction and writing poetry and making photographs, the fiction is a way to try to create a world in which I can impose... Um, uh, questions that I can try to find answers to. And then 
the poetry allows me a kind of non-fiction that states things but tries to find new ways to imagine them, to think about them, to experience, feel them, you know. And the photography does in a kind of a way what I need most at, in, at this particular time. In this particular era, I find I'm thinking about photography a great deal. And I don't, in my photographs, create fictions like some photographers do. They, they create whole scenes and so on. What I want photography to do for me, it is landscape. What I want it to do for me is to show me what's there and to be assured that that thing is real. It's there. There's nothing fake about it. And it will be there in its own, it will be transformed. But you know, like, like, like um, the grasses and the trees and the fields, uh, that sort of thing, a body of water that's stagnant or something. Um, yeah, there's an honesty and a truth in that that I am really craving. And although I try to find honesty and truth in the fiction, you know, you're making it up, right? It's stuff that your stories and characters and so on, you're making up. Would you like to read a little bit for our listeners? Sure, sure, I'll do that. So most of the book is told from the point of view of um, Priya. And so you'd think I might want to read from the point of view of Priya. But I want to give you um, a little bit of Alex's words. And she is watching Priya and Prakash, the, the visitor who comes in and sort of disrupts things in their life. So Prakash has just arrived and she's watching and Priya had gone out. So Prakash arrives before Priya comes home. Priya is now coming in. Okay. When finally we heard the front door open, Prakash swiveled to face Priya as she entered the house, but remained planted where he was, and from him erupted ebullient laughter. He outstretched his arms and addressing both of us exclaimed, Look at her. Just look at you. Long time no see. Still, he stayed where he was. I gathered he wanted to share the reunion with me, so I leaned against the stove on my side of the counter and watched. Priya didn't take off her jacket and boots, but came through the house directly to him. The warmth of his greeting was touching. He clearly wanted to hold on to her longer than she wanted. Priya was less effusive. She seemed less delighted than I'd imagined she'd be. I hoped this was not for my benefit. She said to him, You're entirely grey. I'm not grey, he returned, his voice seeming to feign a peevishness belied by the irrepressible grin he wore. He looked at me, an appeal it seemed, and I gathered this elaborate show of offence was a way of creating complicity among the three of us. He wore thin, gold, wire-rimmed glasses, and behind them his eyes had turned misty. I thought, this, I thought I should turn away, leave them for a while. But I was more curious than ever about some obfuscated truth about their connection and did not want to miss any of this. So I continued with the task of removing skin from the blanched tomatoes I look, as I looked on. After inane banter about what time had and hadn't done to them both, Priya commenting that he'd come to resemble his father, which he beamed, he reached for and held on to both Priya's hands and attempted to pull her toward him. That was a bit much, a bit theatrical, I thought. 
Perhaps she did too, as she stepped in toward him for barely a second and then, rather oddly, pulled a hand away. And although it seemed mostly because of the smile she wore, as if it were meant to be playful, gently slapped his cheek. Thank you. That was lovely. You're welcome. Really My nice. pleasure. Thank you so much for being with us. Um, Shani Mutu. Shani's latest novel is Polar Vortex, and she will be one of the authors participating in this year's Bookfest Windsor Festival de Livre, which will be held virtually October 15th to 18th. We hope to see you there too. I can't wait. Thank you. Thanks for joining us. Look for more episodes of All Right in Sin City wherever you listen to podcasts, or check out our website, allrightinsincity.com. For information and announcements of new podcasts, Sign up to our email list or follow us on Facebook and Twitter.